think if I had somebody push them over for me now, it might be them having compassion on me. Amen. But uh, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. We've been uh, looking at the book of Exodus. I, I tell you one of the things that I've noticed in, in the past, I always tried to go through books relatively fast. When I first came here as a, a pastor, I was uh, doing then as I do now, you know, teach expositorily through a book. And I was in the book of Exodus, excuse me, Ephesians, and... Um, and uh, one of the class members came and said, Pastor, we're really enjoying the messages. It's really good. Uh, they said, uh, how long are you going to be in this? And I said, why? She said, well, the last church we were in was in the book of Ephesians. Did I say Ephesians? Okay, Ephesians. Two years. And I said, that seems a long time in one book. And so I've always tried to go through them kind of fast. And I do try to cover a lot of material. I will say this. I always would encourage you to be like the Bereans. Go home and, and see these things, whether they be so for yourself. And uh, don't live on secondhand convictions. Don't take my word for it. Go home and see and, uh, and test these things. But the, the, the more I'm in the ministry, the more, you know, I used to see words and facts. And now as you have had experience in the Bible that becomes more of a picture. And I will tell you this, a picture is worth a thousand words, and a lot of times the picture communicates more to your mind. And so I pray that these, are, these lessons are a blessing and encouragement to you, but uh, we are going a little bit slower than normal, but I pray that uh, we'll make it worth your while. In Exodus chapter 20, in verse 18, he's given, if you will, the Ten Commandments, and he gave them to all Israel. If you remember last week, we, we, we remember that he told everybody to get back from the mountain and don't break through. If an animal comes to the mountain, kill it. If a human being comes to the mountain, kill him. And, uh, and then when he spoke with thunderings and lightnings and the voice of a trumpet, it was so powerful, it was so intimidating that the people ran to the border of where they could be and, and, they, and, and they basically said, we can't stand in his presence. Why? He's a holy God. He's a powerful God. And so in verse 18, if you will, they pretty much invite him to go up and speak to God for them, okay? And let God speak to you and then you come speak to us, okay? And, uh, and so that is what is, that's where we are right now. He's given the Ten Commandments where he spoke to everyone. Everybody heard the Ten Commandments, okay? But now he's giving further commandments. And you're going to go for another three to five chapters here where the, he delineates more commands. Here's how I want you to worship me. Here's how I want you to follow me. Here's how I want you to do this. Here's how I want you to do that. And we're going to go through these different things because a lot of these things are principles for a new Old Testament time. But can I just say this? The application can be made to New Testament principles, okay? And so we're going to be looking at all these things. So anyhow, Exodus chapter 20, beginning of verse 18, the Bible says this. It says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off, meaning they got as far away as they could, okay? And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. I mean, they, they, God had gotten their attention, okay? 
And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. Lest we, okay, verse 20 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with, uh, make with me gods of silver. By the way, um, whenever you're observing the Bible, prepositions are exceedingly important. Okay? If you don't know what a preposition is, it describes in, over, above, next, to. Okay? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word describing position usually. Okay? Well, if you will, notice the word that he talks about, the other gods. Okay? He says with other gods. All right. So he's talking about not just idols, because he just gave that in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image. He already said that, didn't he? And so God's not in the job of being redundant. Okay. So if he's repeating or seemingly repeating himself, look for the distinction. Okay. And so if you will, notice that again, he says, you shall not make, what's the Bible saying there? You shall not make, I got one person, let's try it all together. You shall not make with, and that's preposition, meaning don't put me with the other idols. Meaning don't even make a graven image of me, okay? Can somebody here tell me what God looks like? Well, that might be a good reason not to make a graven image of him, <laughs> okay? You have no idea what he looks like, okay? And so the Bible says this, he says, don't make any graven images with me. Then in verse 24, he says this, he says, an altar of earth shalt thou make unto me, and shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by thy steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to sing your praises. We thank you for those of us who have enough health to be here. We just pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, be with all the messages today. Father, be with those who are apart from us. Be with all the prayer requests. And just let your will be done and your name be glorified. We love you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you will, uh, let's notice some things from this portion of Scripture here. And there's quite a bit to observe here, actually. A lot of this might look like it's just... Uh, instructions, insignificant instructions, but there's, it's not insignificant, okay? Notice the first thing that happened is Moses is invited to become the prophet, okay? Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he says we're gonna, God was going to raise up a prophet like unto Moses. What is a prophet, okay? Well, a prophet is somebody who speaks for God, okay? And that's exactly what the people did. They said, you go hear him and then come tell us, okay? You go hear him and then come tell us. Now, if God revealed himself to every human being the way that he reveals himself to his prophets, what do you think most human beings' response would be? The answer is in our text, by the way. What did you say? Like God speaks to me. Yeah, that'd be, and that'd be bad, too. That's a good thought. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. God all of a sudden appears in this room. What, what are you all going to do? If you have enough presence of mind, <laughs> some of you are going to start screaming. What am I talking about? How many of y'all ever seen a bat in a room full of 50 men? <laughs> 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 
We were, I was in basic training, and a bat got in our dorm. There's a bat in the dorm. You've never seen 50 grown. We're in the military. We're men. Screaming like little girls. That was a bat. Can you imagine the presence of God coming in to an uninitiated person, somebody who really doesn't want to see God? They're not going to fall down and worship. They're going to run in fear. That's exactly what these people did. They went and they ran in fear. Why? Well, I think you're going to know this. But ultimately, you need to realize most of these people are still not believers. You realize they've seen all these miracles of God, and yet they don't trust God. They don't follow God. They don't believe God. They murmur against God. These are not believers he's talking to. That's the reason that they run in fear. We might say, oh, I'd love to have God come speak to me. Well, by the way, the Holy Spirit can speak to you, can he not? But if God was to come here in his full glory, folks, please take this the right way, but the building would burn down. You guys understand that? When God describes himself as, I am a consuming fire, meaning you come into my presence, boom, we've talked about that, okay? And so, if you will, it is right and is, it, is, it is logical, if you will, for them to say, you go speak to God, you be the prophet, and then we'll listen to you whenever you come, okay? And so the prophet hears from God, and then he gives a message to the people. Uh, go to Acts chapter 7. Keep yourself here, but I want to look at some verses here. Acts chapter 7. And look at verse 38. In Acts chapter 7, verse 38, it says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai. Okay, God sent his angel, if you will. By the way, that's not an angel angel. That's, that's, that's Jesus, folks. That's a pre-incarnate Christ. You all understand? It's a theophany, another, another word if you want to. The Bible says, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, Prophet, shall, be the, Lord your, uh, shall the Lord your God raise up unto you out of your brethren, like unto me him shall you hear. Meaning what? You remember a lot of times whenever Jesus spoke, he says, I'm just saying the words that my father gave me. You all remember that? And so Jesus Christ is a prophet. He is that prophet like unto Moses, meaning God speaks to them, and then they speak to the people. Now, I, I didn't read the right verse because I was looking for a particular word here. Notice verse 38, okay? Verse 38 says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, now notice this, who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Another way to say that lively means living, and oracles mean utterances, meaning the living word. By the way, Jesus Christ is the living word. Is the word of God alive? Absolutely. And we give you verses for that. For sake of time, we won't, but you, I think you're familiar with them. And so, if you will, the Bible says he gave the living word to Moses and then gave it to us, okay? And so, his utterances, meaning he literally spoke to Moses what he heard, he communicated, okay? And so, literally, the word that Moses heard was from God verbally, okay? He literally heard the word of God, all right? Now, having said that, does God speak to us that way today? Before you answer that, okay, does, when I'm, I'm being very specific here, does he speak to our ears? He does not speak to our ears, okay? Why? Well, there's a number of reasons why, and we'll look at that here for a second. But in times past, he did. Um, we got time. Uh, just to go a little survey with me. He spoke to Abraham. Go to Matthew, uh, excuse me, uh, Genesis chapter 15. 
Genesis chapter 15, and look at verse 1. The Bible says, And after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. When it says a vision, is he seeing something? Okay, maybe an angel, maybe an appearance, whatever. I don't know how he's having his vision. But he's also hearing the voice of God. Okay? And so, if you will, God spoke audibly to Abraham. He spoke audibly to Samuel. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse 10. I'm going through these fast. Go, if you want my notes, get my notes. You can go back and study these things for yourself. But 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse 10. The Bible says this, it says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. I don't know how he heard it, but the Bible says here, The word of the Lord came unto Samuel. He's listening, he's hearing the word of the Lord, and then he communicates later and gives us the word of the Lord. He also spoke to a prophet named Gad in in 2 Samuel chapter 24. Look at verse 11. I'm just showing you. Different examples. I, by the way, I could have spent all our time in the rest of the message giving you examples of how God's spoken to people. Okay, But 2 Samuel, go there real quick. 2 Samuel chapter 24, look at verse 11. The Bible says this, it says, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David. Okay? Now, again, through the ear, through the heart, I don't know. I know this. God spoke to them. Now, by and large, when God speaks to us, it's more of an impression. Go speak to that person. You should do this. You should do that. You guys I'm not getting too far out of line here, okay? But by and large, we have to say, was that of God or was that of me? By and large. Now, sometimes God speaks to you, and you just know. Okay, you understand that. But these people, folks, when they say, thus saith the Lord, God either spoke to their ear or made it very clear to their heart, hey, this is God. You understand that? And so, if you will, uh, the whole point is this, is when it comes to a prophet, they hear from God, and then they communicate to men. In 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 11, the Bible says, God spoke to Solomon, okay? By the way, who would be some of the last people God spoke to? Doing a little Bible trivia here. Who was the last prophet? Who was the last Old Testament prophet? Who would you say? Well, Malachi, that is true. John the Baptist was. Yeah, John the Baptist was, technically. Now, having said that, John the Baptist bridges. Okay, because I also believe that uh, anybody that had John's baptism, nobody got rebaptized. Okay, they had legitimate baptism from John the Baptist. So, if you will, but the Bible does say that the Old Testament came until John. Let me show you that. The Bible says that in um, Luke chapter 3, look at verse 2. Luke chapter 3, and verse 2. Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Okay? So is God speaking to John? You all with me? And that's John the Baptist there. Okay? You study it for yourself, but that's who it is. Then Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 11. 
In verse 13, the Bible says this, it says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So if you will, the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. Okay, so what he's saying in a sense is everybody that was spoken to up until John, okay, Old Testament, all right, law and prophets, all right. And then it says in the next verse, I'm going to give you, that after John, then the kingdom was preached, okay, meaning that a New Testament or, or Jesus Christ came to present himself as king. Now, we know he was rejected, but if you will, up into a New Testament, if you will, was coming, all right. And the Bible tells us that in Luke 16, 16. So go there, Luke 16, 16. Luke 16, 16, the Bible says this, says the law and the prophets were until John, since that time, you see that? The kingdom of God is preached, okay? And every man presseth into it, all right? So it would be good to take into study that. And I, I will tell you, I made the mistake Early on, trying to understand things, I believe in dispensations. You guys have heard me teach on that before. And boy, I used to think that, boy, they started one day, and, and they ended one day, and, they, and something new started the next day. And uh, to be quite honest with you, I think I was thinking above my pay grade there. As one of my seminary teachers came in and informed me that I was doing that, and I kind of agree with him. Okay, My whole point is this, is here's the way I understand this. Okay, just looking at that right there. The law and the prophets, John, until John. Since John, the kingdom of God is preached. The New Testament is preached. The new message is preached. But the whole point is this, is that God speaks to the prophet, and then the prophet speaks to the people. You all understand that? Well, go to Second Peter, because I asked this question a second ago. Does God still speak to people in an audible voice? Let's do it this way. Did God speak with an audible voice in the New Testament? I'm not trying to trick anybody. Think about it. Yes. So who did he speak to us by? Help me now. Apostle Saul? Okay, so uh, help me now. Say Paul, just because my brain's not working this morning. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. There's one obvious one that we're just, let's get him out the box. He spoke Jesus. By the way, Jesus is God. Did he speak with an audible voice? Did people hear him? Absolutely. And so in the New Testament, God spoke, okay? So if you will, that's God the Son. Did God the Father speak? When did God the Father speak? Do you remember? In whom I am well pleased. And he said that twice. He said once at John the Baptist, at John's baptism. When was the other time? Yeah, Mount, Mount of configuration, Transfiguration, okay? And then also, like you said, at the Ascension. He, uh, he had the Ascension, that's good. Notice this, because that's the context of this next portion of Scripture, okay? Because in Second Peter chapter 1, did I give you that already? Second Peter chapter 1, the Bible teaches us this principle here. He says, Peter's saying this, I heard the voice of God the Father. Because he had already heard the voice of Jesus. We know that. But he's saying this, and the Mount of Transfiguration, I heard the voice of God the Father. And as a prophet, I'm telling you, that's what happened. Y'all with me? But notice what his opinion was after that, okay? So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. 
The Bible says this, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Why are we able to say these things? We saw him. We heard him. Okay? We're just telling you what he said, what he did. He says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's God the Father speaking about God the Son in the garden. You all see that? He says, In this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Okay? So he's a prophet. He heard from God, and he's telling you what happened. Okay? But then verse 19. And this is something we ought to all at least know the address to, if not have memorized. The Bible says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Okay? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Okay? By the way, this is full of meaning here. Go back and, and investigate it. But he's talking about the word of God is given so that we might know Christ, the day star, and the day dawn, salvation, arise in our heart. And he's saying this, it's not for you to interpret, it's not for you to interpret, it's for the one who gave it to you to interpret. Who's our interpreter? The Holy Spirit. Okay, he, he interprets for us, okay? And so if you will, but then it says, verse 21, he says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so how did the New Testament prophets speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost? Okay? And so if you will, God speaks, right, sometimes with an audible voice, sometimes with a vision, sometimes with an angel. Um, and, you know, th- those are the ones that are on top of my head. And so if you will, a prophet is somebody who hears from God. Now, can we be a prophet for people? Can we be a prophet for people? The reason I ask this question is this is just so much theology until you can apply it. This, these are wonderful things to know. Okay? But let's uh, think about this. The prophet hears from God to have a message for the people. And the people invited them to do that ministry. Why? Because they were too afraid to come into the presence of God. Then know what happened? You go speak to God, tell us what he says. Okay? And so if you will, you realize that if it applied then, I think it applies now. There's still people in this world that are satisfied for you to have heard from God, and you tell them. Matter of fact, it's God's plan, isn't it? Go into all the world and preach the what? The gospel, what? Well, the message you've been told about from God. How many of y'all trust Christ as your Savior? So, do you know the gospel? Did it change your life? Do you understand it? Does the world need it? You have it, now go teach them. Okay? I haven't said that. How many of y'all want to be a prophet? How many of y'all want to be a prophet? Okay? Because here's the thing about it. Moses had to say, yeah, I'll go talk to God for you. Okay? And I will tell you this. It's a grave responsibility a grave responsibility. I was telling a story the other day, and I, I, I will confess to you, I'm starting to get a little older, meaning the stories are a little bit farther away. And uh, sometimes I, I don't like to exaggerate, because if I tell a story, I don't want somebody telling me, oh, that's not true. Well, I'm not going to tell you an untrue story, okay? 
But I will tell you this, some of the details are starting to slip. And so you'll tell your story and you think, boy, I hope I got all those details just right. <laughs> okay? Well, please take this the right way. When you're telling somebody about Jesus, what the Bible means, having authority over their souls in the sense that you're saying, thus saith the Lord. Can I tell you this? You need to be a special kind of person when it comes to things of God. What, what did all the people do when they heard the voice of God? Right? What did Moses do? Go to Deuteronomy, if you will. Go to, excuse me, Exodus. Exodus, I'm ahead of myself here. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Look at verse uh, 13. In verse 13, the Bible says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. God says, I want you to go do this. And, and Moses says this. You go back and read it for yourself. But he says, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Okay? By the way, what to God would start our days like that? God, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. Okay? And he, he literally begs God. In verse 18, skip down there. He said, and he said, I beseech thee. I, I teach you this all the time, but what's beseech mean? I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Okay? He says, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now think about this. He has spoken to God who knows how many times, right? And now he's saying, God, I, I want to know you in a more intimate way. I don't want to just hear your voice. You know what he's saying? He said, I want to see your face. And God explains to him. He says, you can't see my face. He says, any man who sees my face will die. Okay, he says that right after this. He says, but here's what I will do. I'll hide you in the cliff of a rock, and I'll pass by, okay, and I'll put my hand between me and you, and you won't be able to see my face, but you will be able to see my back parts, okay, meaning you'll be able to see my backside, okay. And um, do I know what that means? No, but you know what? I, I do know what happened. As you remember this, his face shone for the rest of his life. So much so that he couldn't be in the presence of people without putting a, a towel or a, or a wrapping around his head because his face shone, if you will, from the glory of being in the presence of the Lord. All right? Now, I want you to think about this. Did he have a grave or a major responsibility? It was his job to get three million people fed, clothed, led, judged, saved. Amen? From one side of the wilderness over 40 years up to the promised land. Is that a pretty grave responsibility? And he basically says this. He says, I'm not going unless you go with me. All right. Now, was he a prophet? Yeah, he was a prophet. Did God speak to him? Yeah, God spoke to him. But he said, God, if you're going to give me this responsibility, what do you mean? Well, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How about what Jimmy preached this morning? Having compassion, making a difference. And i got to tell you something, folks. Uh, anybody here ever been burned trying to help somebody? Once burned, twice shy? What do I mean by that? Well, I tried to help, and I got hurt. Well, I'm going to let you know a little secret, folks. You try to help long enough, you're going to get hurt eventually. 
And I, if, you, if you do it over a long enough period of time, it's going to happen again and again and again and again. <coughs> Should we still do it? Well, it all depends. Do you want to be a prophet of God? Do you want to be a minister of God? Do you want to be in a position where you stand between a holy God and an unholy people? Okay? And if you will, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If we desire to have that position, now we're not going to be prophets like Moses. That, okay, there's, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Say amen, I'll move on. <laughs> okay? But we still have a command and we still have an obligation. We still have a burden. Amen? And I will promise you, some people say, I just don't want the responsibility. All right? And I will tell you that in a room like this, there's some of you that take responsibility. Let's do it. And there's others of you that shrink from it. It's just your personality. Okay? But having said that, uh, if, if we want to be in the position that God wants us in, then we need to take and to seek that same intimacy. See, this isn't just an Old Testament principle. It's a New Testament principle. Go to the book of Philippians, please. Go to the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, this is who I used to be. And he starts naming off all of his accomplishments. He gives you his degrees and he gives you who his, you know, you know, awards were. And what a wonderful life, what a wonderful upbringing, what a wonderful man he was. You all know that? And then he says this. He says, I count all that but dung. Meaning, none of that means anything to me anymore. Well, what means something to you, Paul? Well, look at verse 8. Verse 8, he says this. He says, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I don't care about anything else. I just want to know Jesus. Amen? The Bible says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Boy, if I could just know Christ, you can have everything else. Why? Well, folks, get a hold of this. God had called him to be an apostle. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And he said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, people are going to hurt me. You know how I know that? Because I used to try to hurt them. Any of y'all remember what you used to be like before you were so wonderfully saved, now you're the wonderful human beings that you are now? Amen? He said, no, I, I persecuted these same people to death. And when I go to tell them, they're going to do the same thing to me. By the way, they have done the same thing to me. Okay? And God, I know I'm not going to be able to do it unless I know you. Unless I'm intimate with you. Unless our relationship is so that... When I read the Bible, I'm not just reading words, but you're literally speaking to my heart and my soul and my life. Can I ask you a question? Is this a living word to you? Because if it's just dead words, and, and, and religion is dead words, you know. I, I will tell you this. I, I'm a chaplain. You guys know that. And, and every once in a while when you're a chaplain, you, and by the way, any minister, you've probably had these opportunities too. A lot of times you'll be asked to pray, okay, and say, well, you, you need to prepare to pray. Oh, so should I worry or should I type it? And by the way, a lot of chaplains type their prayers. 
well, please take this the right way. I think God can lead you in your study. Amen. I do. But having said that, having said that, I think if you're just walking in relationship with God at all times, the advice of my pastor rings true for all of us. You need to be ready to preach, pray, or die at any time. Meaning what? You walk so close to the Lord that if somebody needs a message, you got a message. If you need to pray, you can pray. Let's pray, man. I'm ready. I'm intimate with God right now. I don't have to go confess my sin first. I, I've been walking with God today. Amen. And are people going to hurt you? Yeah, they're going to hurt me. But you know what? God also said, hey, get out of this city or go to that city. Or He gave them leadership. Amen. Why? Because there was an intimacy there. Matter of fact, skip down to verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10 here, it says that I may know him. By the way, that word know, you guys know that. That's a, that's a word of intimacy. You all understand that? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, what's the Bible say there? Meaning what? Well, next time you start to say, well, I don't do that anymore. Why? Because I tried it once and I got hurt. You might want to remember just about every time Jesus did something good, a group rose up trying to kill him. <laughs> Amen. And so the fellowship of his suffering is, hey, God, it happened to us again. But we're going to be okay. You and me, Lord. Amen. And in verse 10, again, finish it. The Bible says, being made conformable unto his death. Listen, Jesus did everything knowing that he was going to the cross. Amen. And so if you will, people are satisfied you go to talk to God. But how many of you also know this, that God will put them through points of life where they'll hunt you out? Hey, I know you have a relationship with God. Could you pray for me? And Hey, I, uh, I get uh, even phone calls this week. Uh, Brother Bradshaw, could you help me with this? And, uh, you know, a Bible question or something like that. Yeah, absolutely, you know, stuff like that. We never know when we're going to be called on, but I will tell you this, uh, that that is a normal, natural relationship. Some people say, hey, you go be... The only word I can think of is Holy Joe. <laughs> Anyhow, if you don't remember that one. Okay. Chick Tracks. Anybody remember Chick Tracks? Okay, thank you. Holy Joe. That was one of their chick, chick Tracks, okay? And, uh, you know, people make fun of you until they need you. And then you're the most important person in their life. Because you can either give them an answer or you get them to somebody who has an answer. Amen? And so, if you will... Uh, Worldly people are designed to say, hey, you go, you go have your relationship. But there will be a time where you'll have to come back and speak for them because they will need you to speak for them or to them. So Moses was invited to become the prophet. And then Moses was given instructions on how to worship. Now let's notice a couple things. Think about what uh, type of worship they were used to. You guys ever, I, I, I don't know if you follow the news. I, uh, I don't know what you guys get on your Facebook feeds. But I like airplanes, archaeology, and astronomy. And so I get all the pictures of the things they're taking with the telescope and all the things they're pulling up out of the Mediterranean Sea. And I don't know if you know this, but they're pulling up whole temples nowadays and uh, old statues from, from pharaohs and stuff like this. Hey, so-and-so did exist. We found them at the bottom of the ocean. You, know, or, so you guys understand my whole point? Folks, what were they used to? Well, think about the pyramids, Okay. Uh, I don't know what they were building, but they were building monuments to death. They were building monuments to gods. They were building monuments to kings. So you all understand that? And all those things in Egypt were worshipped. And so here you have this great God, 
And they want to say, we want to worship you. How can we do it? Well, the only thing we're familiar is what we can see and what we can touch. Okay? What is visible and what is tangible. And the first thing God says, look what it says. Go down to, uh, uh, well, go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And the Bible says this, uh, Verse 23, and ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. Now you can say, well, those are idols. Yeah, it is. But what he's trying to communicate is he already told them in the Ten Commandments, don't make graven images. Did he not? Have no other gods before me. Did he say that already? Here he's saying, don't even make one of me. Why? Again, I ask the question, what does God look like? Does God have a physical form? That's a trick question, guys. Come on. Does God have a physical form? I'm not, listen, I told you it was a trick question. I warned you. (laughs) And the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld him as the only begotten of God. Folks, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Is he visible? Anybody know what he looks like? You know why? Well, they didn't have cameras back then. <laughs> Come on. All right? Didn't have cameras back then. Having said that, do you think Jesus would want to probably even set for a photo? I doubt it. I doubt it. Why? Because he said, don't make images of me. All right? Can I ask you a question? If God says something, you think he means it? Why would God say, don't make an image of me? Why would he say that? Yeah, kind of be like Nehushtan or the, the brazen serpent. You're going to worship the serpent instead of worshiping the God who, you know, will ultimately be the serpent. Okay. Very good. Um, the just shall live by his faith. Do you have to have faith for something you can see or something you can touch? No. And God said, somebody already said it over here. Folks, the Bible tells us God is a spirit. You know what he's saying by saying that? There's nothing physical you can do to make it look like me. Why? I'm a spirit. Where does God exist? Everywhere, at all time. He exists past, present, and future. You all know that, right? (laughs) Okay. So he's everywhere at all time. He's omnipotent, all-knowing. All right, now put that to gold. Well, we'll make a star. And by the way, some people do that. Okay, Catholic Church, the monstrance, you have the star on the top. That represents Christ, the Son of God. By the way, he is the S-O-N, not the S-U-N. And having said that, the Bible does talk about the Son of God, S-U-N. My, my whole point is this. He says, when you come to worship me, do not make something physical or tangible. Now, take this the right way. And we, a lot of us have Catholic friends that have a necklace with a cross with a Christ. And a lot of times they'll clutch those things. I wonder why. 
I was so excited yesterday. I was watching a football player, and I said, that guy's a Christian. I'm going to start rooting for him. And he got a touchdown, and he went, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of him. But God said this, if you're going to worship me, worship me how? If I'm a spirit, how should you worship me? In spirit and in truth. Well, how do you do that? How do we worship God in spirit and truth? Yeah, let's, 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 let's be more specific. Well, help me, sanctify them by thy truth. I. So I think one way to worship him is by keeping his word. True? Okay, so sanctify him by the truth. Thy word is true. Sancti- uh, so worship him in spirit and in truth. And in what spiritual things do you do that worship God? Prayer, supplication, absolutely. How about when you're singing? How many of y'all are such good singers you know God's going like this? No, what's the Bible say? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so even if you can't sing, you should make a noise. I know a lot of people don't sing. I'm, I'm picking on you here right here, I guess. Well, I can't sing. I'm not a good singer. So what? God didn't ask you to sing beautifully for him. He asked you to worship him. How? In spirit. That's why when you're singing the songs, you ought to think about the words. Amen. You ought to think about the words. You ought to think about the God you're, you're worshiping. And so I, I'm running out of time. The other thing he says is this. He says, uh, he says, don't put your effort into the altar. Put your effort into the meaning of the sacrifice. Meaning this. He says, if you're going to make an altar, make it out of dirt or unhewn stone. Now, he changed that later with the tabernacle and the temple, but that's a different story for a different day. Because he said this, he says, you can take dirt and unhewn stone anywhere you go. That's what it says in your text. Okay, so read it, okay? But it says, you can take dirt anywhere you go, and on that dirt, you can offer to me your your oxen and your sheep, (coughs) your lambs. By the way, who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Jesus Christ. He says, don't focus on the altar, the pyramids. Come on. He says, focus on the sacrifice, the picture of Christ dying for our sins. Amen? And then one last thing, and I'll give you the notes and you can study this. But he said this. He says, don't make steps up to your altars because when you do that, you'll uncover your nakedness. Okay? There's two things about that. All you got to do is look at the, look at the world And if you ever look at the world's religions, tell me how much they all have in common. And they do. One of the things they all have in common is step pyramids. Okay? And all kinds of ungodly things went on up there. Okay? Uh, Carnal things and murderous things and stuff like that. And God said, it's not about the show. How does he tell us to do it in the New Testament? Let everything be done decently and in order. Meaning what? When you come here, don't make it about the flesh. That's why we don't have dance teams. That's why we dress modestly. Come on. Okay? Why? Because it's not about the flesh when we come together. It's about God and the Spirit. And so the very first thing he did is he says, if you're going to worship me, this is how I want to be worshipped. All right? I encourage you to go back and see it for yourself. It's a wonderful text.